It's been about one year since I've recorded an episode of the Integral Health Resources podcast. Anyone that was paying any attention would have noticed that it was about um, a year ago that I put a little note on the website that said I was going to be backing away from participating at all, really, in this website and consolidating my efforts um, on my other website, which is called Head the Gong. So I have another podcast called the Head the Gong podcast. Um, And I really, since about 2006, that website, Head the Gong, has been um, like the mothership that contains pretty much all of my interests and creative pursuits. And as part of that giant website, there was sort of, um, you know, a smaller thing within it, like a little shuttlecraft that explored more my professional and academic interests. And that was really what Integral Health Resources, you know, kind of branched off from that. I know I'm mixing like a tree metaphor and a starship metaphor here, but so if you look at Head the Gong as the tree and Integral Health Resources as the branch or Head the Gong as the mothership and Integral Health Resources as the shuttlecraft, um, it's bo- it's really the same point, but it eventually became two separate websites that were linked to each other. And eventually I was posting all the academic content on uh, IHR and all the more personal creative stuff on HTG. And then that just became exhausting because I had separate social media accounts uh, for both websites. And um, yeah, it just became sort of a chore to split myself off in that way. So then I decided, the hell with that, I'm just going to have one website, one podcast and kind of reintegrate or reabsorb integral health resources back into head the gong and just you know have the whole smorgasbord be put together again that way and i did that for about a year and i have i have put out some episodes of head the gong but also within that year uh, i started a job as an elementary school counselor and constantly been um dealing with the uh, the struggle of having a full-time job and also trying to Uh, pursue any of this creative stuff so while I'm working you know I'm not getting a whole lot of episodes out but it's the summer now so it's uh it's once again I have this glorious period of a couple months where I can jump into my creativity and as I was approaching the summer I just decided that um I kind of liked having the, the two things separate so I basically resuscitated the integral health resources social media accounts and the website and i'm just going to go back to uh just doing both podcasts and working on both websites so the you know and anytime i step away um from the website i sort of update it and i've sort of updated my my vision my twitter bio so now uh my twitter bio says the following and i think this kind of captures my current interests it says uh bob d counselor interested in critical slash anti-authoritarian mental health perspectives holistic health and cultivating clear attention in an age of distraction so i think that really sums up where my focus is now um i guess i'm starting to 
embrace the counselor identity a little bit. Uh, I've talked about that in other podcast episodes. I really don't have a, that professional identity per se, but I think if I'm trying to make connections to other people, um, you know, I don't, I'm not saying it gives me a little bit of authority, but I mean, the fact of the matter is I am a mental health professional and I have been for about 20 years and now I'm a, you know, a licensed counselor. So uh, maybe gives a little more gravitas to some of the things I say or some credibility. Um, and I'm still, you know, in this past year, I've still been interested in the, in these critical or anti-authoritarian mental health perspectives. I still, you know, run into this constantly in my professional life. I was talking to my wife the other day, and um, she uh, does some work with a medical residency program. And... I know some of the folks there, and of course, these are doctors, they're highly educated people, um, they're very smart, constantly looking at research, and I was really surprised that they just trumpet this medicalized sort of party line of addiction being a brain disease. Of course, as doctors, they're very concerned with the opiate crisis and so forth, but it's it's as if they have not been exposed to this other point of view that you know I'm constantly going on about this that if you really look at both the data and just common sense and you just reason it through it actually doesn't make sense to think of addiction as a brain disease and it's certainly not a disease like diabetes or cancer or parkinsons and i think that uh, can easily be um, demonstrated. And of course, I've tried to do that in countless episodes and um, blog posts and so forth. But I was, uh, yeah, I was pretty stunned that it's just still so widespread, not just this uh, sort of medicalized view of addiction, but all mental health, this, this idea that, you know, they're just brain disorders and um, truly not understanding the social aspect um, of uh, any sort of quote-unquote mental disorder. And another book that uh, came out um, in this last year that this what this particular podcast has been dormant is uh, Johan Hari's Lost Connections. When his previous book, Chasing the Scream, came out, it was all about you know viewing addiction in this different way and I thought it was, his perspective was fantastic. I want to say his book was fantastic, but I never even finished reading it. I'm embarrassed to say, because I heard him interviewed so many times, so many TED Talks, videos, podcasts, that as I started reading the book, I just realized that I had already taken in all that information. So I, I felt that I already had that perspective down and never actually finished the book. I did read some of it. Uh, the same with Lost Connections. I know I've listened to him hours and hours being interviewed on this and that podcast. And um, I feel like I really get his perspective. And now it's almost like who needs to who needs to buy the book and read it. But um, it's a very similar take where uh, Hari is using his own personal experience of having taken antidepressants for, I believe, like 13 years of his life. And not saying that, you know, medicine or, or drug treatment should be taken off the menu, but 
he's really advocating for expanding the menu to uh, different, um, more social-based ways of approaching anxiety and depression and other mental health concerns. And despite that caveat he, he made, I've read several criticisms of his work, and it's as if the critics just never... Um, paid attention to how careful Hari was in saying, you know, he's not against the use of drugs. He's just trying to expand the menu, not take something off the menu. And people still just, um, they hear his perspective and it's threatening to their worldview or I don't know what it is, but they just can't reason clearly when they perceive that their cherished uh, perspectives are are under attack or being criticized. And that's been frustrating too, because everything Hari says, and he mentions this as well, is is banal in a way. I mean, it's so obvious that um, you know we need to take a socio-cultural approach to so many of these problems that have not been, you know, getting any better. Uh, taking just a medicalized approach, and um, the the actual things that. You know, he recommends is it's basically just like with chasing the scream and addiction. It's it's all about you know human connection and authentic relationship, living a life of purpose. And when you focus on that, uh, a lot of times um, some of these quote unquote mental disorders just kind of go away. So it's really looking at the the true causes uh, of mo- from most people of a lot of the most common ailments that we have that would fall under this heading of psychological disorders. It's not to say that there there isn't people that have physiological-based things that are genetic or things that are, are wrong with their brains, but it's, it's re- very rare. We live in a society now where just um, it seems like you know multiple people in your social circle who take meds and have been diagnosed with a psychiatric disorder. And it just, it doesn't make any sense um, that all of a sudden in the last 10 or 20 years, uh, everybody's brains have just suddenly gone out of whack. Um, so anyway, that, that perspective of course is right up my alley. Um, so I highly recommend anything uh, that uh, Johan Hari has done on, on this front. Um, another thing that I'm emphasizing this time around on the podcast is uh, the focus on attention itself. Uh, I haven't really coined this term, but I'm using this term however awkward it is. I'm calling it attentionology. So I've added a tab on the website labeled attentionality, and it's just really, um, it sort of encapsulates a lot of my interests. Um I have a little quote on there that actually came from a dream that I had at the beginning of last summer. And I I remember waking up thinking to myself the following, you become what you take in. What you attend to determines what you are aware of. If you consume chaos, you become chaos. Patterns of attention become states of mind. When your attention is captive, you are captive. When your attention is free, you are free. And that really uh, hits it home to me if I, if I really had to articulate uh, what I'm calling the center of the quote-unquote good life bullseye. 
the absolute heart of the matter when it comes to my conception of living the good life. It's uh, cultivating clear attention. That cultivation of clear attention, whether you're thinking about in terms of just uh, meditation or uh, psychology from a self-discovery standpoint, um, authentic relationship, uh, holistic health, everything revolves around or is based on this uh, clear attention. So the study of attention has always fascinated me. On the attentionology page, I have um, some resources, one of which is um, the seminal chapter called Attention that William James had in his Principles of Psychology. I'm still blown away by just the breadth and depth of William James. Uh, I did buy a biography of his. That's just yet another book I haven't read. Um, speaking of, you know, your attention being compromised, it's, I, I do have a lot of trouble reading books these days because my, um, in this quote-unquote age of distraction, it's, it's hard to focus on a book-length treatment of anything when you have so many little nuggets, um, quick-hitting little small things, on your phone and all you know all these other ways of consuming information but anyway the um william james his take on it is still relevant to me the the other resource i have on um on the attentionology page is uh, some tristan harris stuff that was the subject of actually the previous episode of this podcast that was a year ago um he called his organization back a year ago. It was called Time Well Spent. He's already changed that. It's now called the Center for Humane Technology. But Tristan has been in the media a lot this past year. Uh, he's been out front criticizing Facebook and these other tech companies for not being held accountable for sort of selling out to this advertisement-based model and all these issues of privacy breaches and fake news and all this stuff. Um, you know, uh, Tristan Harris is really at the forefront of trying to develop an entire different uh, model for tech companies to really uh, just be a, you know, to put humanistic values up front um, and have tech be about making our lives better and not just about selling shitty ads. Uh, another resource I have, Zainab Tufeki, I believe that's how you pronounce her name. I heard of her on the Sam Harris podcast. She has a TED Talk called, We're Building a Dystopia Just to Make People Click Ads. She's got a really useful perspective on the attention economy. So you see that my interest, the reason I'm calling this attentionology, you really have to hit it from a lot of angles. So whether you're thinking about it from... Um, the perspective of the attention economy, which is a lot of what I'm talking about now with Tristan Harris and so forth, or you're just thinking about uh, attention from a subjective perspective, which you can explore through meditation, or even a scientific perspective when you're just focused on the you know the brain centers or the the uh, centers of perception that have to do with attending and so forth. I'm interested in all of that. I think it's fascinating. Um, and again, over this past year, Sam Harris is somebody that I, I think is doing a lot on this front. He's about to release this summer his uh, Waking Up app, which is going to be 
his uh, take on meditation, and he's going to lead meditations and really try to focus on passing on his wisdom when it comes to meditating. And I really resonate with his perspective, so I'm hoping that um, by tuning into his voice on that, it's going to help me uh, get back into meditation more consistently and get get more out of my practice. And there's other folks too um, that I have listed on this attentionology page, and and I think. You know, all of these things uh, that I'm sure many of us perceive in the culture, like um, being trapped in echo chambers online and and how that impedes political discussions. And I think it's all related to this idea of attention. So um, that's going to be a huge focus. Also, of course, holistic health. I'm always interested in, you know, the nutrition, exercise, all that stuff. Um, I'm going to continue to focus on that as well. Um, another thing that's come out that's been really interesting to me um, is a guy named Mark Walsh who has a, a podcast called The Embodiment Podcast. One of the main tabs on the Integral Health Resources site is somatics. And over the, not just the last year, but that's one of the, uh, the branches of the Integral Health Resources tree that's sort of been withering. Um, I did my training in HANA somatics, um, and there was a, a philosopher and body worker named Thomas Hanna, who was a huge influence on me, one of my mentors when I was in graduate school is Don Hanlon Johnson, and he helped articulate this field of somatics, um, and there's all these body workers that uh, are sort of looking at um, subjective experience through the body and of course all this overlaps with other contemplative practices like meditation but for me at the time um, body oriented psychology and body work was a revelation because I was uh, somebody who was really sort of in my head and thinking all the time but not much was really happening from my point of view in the field <clears throat> for a long time uh, I think the uh, nothing was interesting me anyway. Nothing was connecting it to. Uh, it was a lot of aging folks. I mean, Tom, or Don Hanlon Johnson is in his eighties. Uh, a lot of the disciples of Thomas Hanna never really, to my mind, were able to push his work deeper or further. Um, but Mark Walsh is a is a guy. He's probably around my age. Could be a little bit younger who's based in um, England and he's got a, you know, he runs around and meets a lot of people who are doing what he calls embodiment work, which to me is pretty synonymous with somatics. And he's having conversations with people that are, are taking this work in a million different directions, in a million different contexts, different countries. It's really interesting. So that embodiment podcast has exposed me to a bunch of new people, a lot of them young that are developing uh, perspectives that have to do with, you know, cultivating a sense of embodiment and sensory awareness and what, you know, what that can do for a person um, from a holistic health perspective and um, uh, psychological depth perspective, all of that. So that's been very interesting. Uh, I've been tuning into that. Uh, another thing that has fascinated me recently, uh, Michael Pollan, who um, 
He's been a, a science journalist who writes a lot about food. He's hitting the sort of the talk show circuit now because he has a brand new book about psychedelics. And because he's kind of a mainstream guy with that kind of sort of credibility, having him talk about uh, psychedelics really, um, I think, is going to make a huge difference in uh, having just average people consider uh, the benefits of um, either exploring a psychedelic experience themselves uh, just for the spiritual development of it and also to uh, look into the research that's happening about how psychedelics are being used to treat a variety of things and, and Michael Pollan he spoke with uh, Joe Rogan on his podcast Sam Harris interviewed him both interviews were fascinating. There's a lot of research out there now that uh, the psychedelics, um, you know, when carefully administered with a guide or in a controlled setting, can really help people from, uh, you know, cancer patients who are facing death, terminal, terminal patients who, you know, are really ramped up and anxious and fearing death. Some of these folks are having psychedelic experiences and then being completely relieved of that fear. So that alone uh, is compelling to me. Of course, like most people, you know, there's a, there's a certain fear of death that I have, but I think um, I would like to have uh, a true psychedelic experience at some point in the next 10 or 20 years as I get a little bit older, uh, just so I can have that perspective and, um, and just experience what that's like. My my only experience with a trip of any kind was actually on cannabis, and it was a long time ago. And I, I'm assuming it was cannabis, and there was, wasn't something mixed in. I just bought it, you know, in a park from a stranger, and smoked a ton of it, and had a what seemed like a psychedelic experience to me, which I know is possible to have on marijuana, and it blew my mind. And, uh, but because marijuana is illegal, as are most of the psychedelics, I never followed up on that experience, uh, but I found it to be really valuable and I would like to do some more exploring in that regard, but I'm, I'm really fascinated by the, um, potential clinical benefits of it. One of the things that Pollen mentioned, um, was that, that maybe connects, all the variety of disorders that psychedelics can help is that they all seem to stem that or the suffering in say depression or even the fear of death anxiety a lot of things seems to to stem from uh, a narrative that develops in a person's mind it's a that very egocentric storytelling mechanism that we have that can be repeated on a loop and cause a lot of suffering. And when you're really locked into that uh, ego point of view, um, having that psychedelic experience that just knocks you out of that and puts you in a different orbit can be tremendously uh, valuable and give people a lot of relief that amazingly lasts um, just having the experience once can really uh, 
uh, sets you free in a, in a way that to me was surprising that you can just sort of see something from a different perspective one time and even if you're not actively you know going to that vantage point again and again it, it can change your behavior in a in a reliable way and in a salutary way so that's another thing I'm I'm really interested in <clears throat> looking into um, I'm gonna take a sip of water here um, let's see that may be really all I have on uh, on this front for this episode I uh, just sort of wanted to make my voice heard and um, and like I said I'm going into the summer so I'm gonna have time to more consistently uh, post on the integral health resources social media Twitter is where I spend most of my time uh, integral underscore health you can always leave me a comment there about um, either something you've heard on this episode or anything that I'm posting there I'd be happy and excited to engage with people who are thinking about these things and I'm also going to keep going with the head the gong podcast and that website too um, which I, again the way I'm framing that is uh, it's just me it's just an ordinary person's attempt to live a creative and meaningful life I happen to be interested in music and writing and various things like that so it's much more personal to me it's all of a piece still with this podcast but you know I have built uh, a certain number of followers on Twitter and Facebook through the integral health resources thing and despite the fact that I left a little message saying hey come over to this new head the gong thing I mean no one did so um, I feel keeping them separate for now so I don't you know scrap the small following that I, I do have here is helpful if ever one or the other podcasts really picks up steam I'll maybe I'll focus my energy there a bit so um I think that's all I really have for this episode I'm gonna go now and record an episode of uh I've had the gong so if you want to compare and contrast the vibe of the two different podcasts you can get a sense of how I how I did that in a single day so I'll check in with you next time be well <laughs>